Chapter 1. First, be sure you yourself are truly saved. This topic may seem superfluous to some, but it is not. Many Christians have no real assurance of salvation. They have a hope, but it is not a sure hope. They do not have a clear idea of what the Christian life is and had no evident emotional experience when they entered it. Therefore, they are constantly harassed by doubts as to whether or not they are Christians. As long as they are in this condition, they can hardly lead others to Christ. This is undoubtedly one reason so many are reluctant to engage in personal evangelism. They are unsure of their own salvation. Some think it presumptuous for someone to say he knows he is a Christian. Paul evidently does not agree with them, for he says, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12b. From 1 John 5, verse 13, we learn that God intends that all his children shall know whose children they are. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 3, verse 1 teaches the same doctrine of assurance. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. It is not important that one knows when he became a Christian, but it is very important that he knows that he is a Christian. Those converted in childhood often have no recollection of when they were converted, and it is not necessary that they should. It is necessary, however, that they should know that they are converted if they are to have any joy or efficiency in Christian work. We come then to a question vital to multitudes of troubled souls in all our churches. Can one know that he is a Christian, and what are the grounds of such assurance? There are three unmistakable proofs of the believer's salvation. 1. The witness of God's Word the forgiveness of sin takes place in the mind of God, not in the emotional nature of the believer. Our first and best evidence of any such transaction must be the testimony of God Himself. If I comply with the conditions established by God for the forgiveness of sins, I know that my sins are forgiven because I have God's word for it. If I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I know I have become a child of God because God's Word affirms it. It is not a question of how I feel, but what God says. The feeling may be wholly lacking, yet the transaction may be nonetheless real. Suppose a couple stands up to be married. The minister asks, Do you take this woman to be your wife? I do. Do you take this man to be your husband? I do. He then pronounces them husband and wife. As the couple turns around to receive congratulations, suppose you ask them if they feel they are married. The chances are that they will reply, No, we cannot say that we do. However, they are married, whether they realize it or not. Those simple words spoken in the presence of witnesses make them husband and wife. It is not a question of feeling, but simply one of fact. However, if they faithfully perform the duties of their new relationship, all the joys of married life will come to them in due time. The yielding of the heart to Christ and the coming of the Spirit may occur without any emotional consciousness, 
and yet be just as real as if accompanied by floods of feeling. However, if believers faithfully perform the duties of their new relationship, all the joys of the Christian life will soon be theirs. He who has my commandments and keeps them, I will disclose myself to him. John chapter 14 verse 21. We have been so accustomed to the idea that the conviction of sin is the only door through which one can enter the Christian life that many good Christians who accepted Christ without any such conviction question the reality of their conversion. There is a conviction of righteousness as well as a conviction of sin. Conviction of righteousness is often the impelling motive that leads children raised in Christian homes to accept Christ. However, the motive matters little so long as it leads to a vital union with the Son of God. Dr. A. J. Gordon once dealt with a lady who claimed to have accepted Christ but did not feel saved. All efforts to help her were unsuccessful until he finally asked if she owned the house where she lived. She said she did. Do you have a certain at-home feeling in this house which you do not have in any other? Yes. Is that why you know the house is yours? Certainly not. I suppose I might feel as much at home in a house that was not mine if I lived in it long enough. How then do you know this house is yours? Because I have the deed which conveys the property to me and have read it with my own eyes. You are sure this house is yours because the record says so? Yes. And you would be just as sure even if you did not have that peculiar at-home feeling of which you speak. I think so. The feeling is delightful, but it is no proof of ownership. Now, if you could see a deed by which God had given you eternal life, would you believe the record? I certainly would. Would that record be sufficient to convince you without additional evidence? I think it would. He then asked her to read 1 John chapter 5, verses 11-12. through 12. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. When she read the verses, he asked her if she knew she was saved. She said, I do. How do you know it? Because I have God's word for it. 2. The Witness of the Spirit The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The witness of God's word is sufficient to prove that one is a child of God. If one does not believe this witness, he makes God a liar. 1 John chapter 5 verse 10. However, the believer is also entitled to the witness of the Spirit and should not be satisfied until he has it. It is part of his inheritance in Christ Jesus. If he has not received it, he should reverently but persistently inquire why. In some cases where the witness of the Spirit is lacking, the person has likely made no confession of Christ. Matthew chapter 10 verse 32 shows that when we confess Christ before others, he confesses us before the Father. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 1 John chapter 5 verse 10 indicate that when we confess to the world that we have Jesus as our Savior, the Spirit witnesses in our hearts that we are saved. At once we have different feelings towards God. Before we called him God, the supreme being, or the deity but now we think of Him and call Him Father. The reason for this is evident. We have been born of the Spirit and become His children, and now He is our Father. 
Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. A friend of mine was accosted by a lady at the close of a service. She told him that she had been trying to lead a Christian life for years, but had never enjoyed any assurance. She was a woman of intelligence and refinement. He questioned her carefully, and she answered all his questions with the utmost frankness and candor. She knew of nothing in her life that was displeasing to God. Finally, he asked if she had ever confessed Christ. To his surprise, she answered in the negative. She was waiting until she had the inward assurance that she was saved before making an outward confession of her faith. He showed her from the Bible that she was reversing God's order, which is first confession and then the witness of the Spirit. The next night, she was in the meeting. When an opportunity occurred, she arose and quietly said, Friends, I wish to make a public confession of my faith in Jesus Christ. The next day, my friend met someone on the street who inquired if he had heard about Mrs. Blank. No, what about her? Why, last night she went to her neighbor's house after they had retired and rang the bell. They opened the window and inquired who was there. She answered, It is Mrs. Blank. I have confessed Christ as my Savior tonight and am so happy that I cannot contain myself. All my life I have been robbing him of my influence and myself of his joy. Oh, friends, do confess Christ as your Savior. She went from house to house for half the night, ringing doorbells, telling of her joy, and urging people to confess Christ. 3. The Fruit of the Spirit But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This is the evidence our neighbors will appreciate most, and which ought to be apparent to all. It does not appear all at once, however, for fruit grows, and growth requires time, while a gift is bestowed instantly.